I want to talk to you about five things for those who have received the Holy Spirit. How many were here on Sunday? Praise God. We had like four people receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues for the first time. And then we had maybe four or five others that came for fresh infillings of the Spirit and received, uh, some, some people received words of knowledge, other people received just a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit. And, um, you know, and then I just felt like, well, I just needed to start talking about more about what it means to be filled with the Spirit. So I want to talk to you about five things for those who have received the Holy Spirit. And uh, we're not going to have time at all to get into it. But there's also five things I want you to know. We'll cover it in another uh, lesson. But I want to talk to you about five important things about receiving the Holy Spirit and five important things for those who have received, the, that they need to know who already have received it. Like why they need it and then how come it's important for them. So number one, know that the Holy Spirit is a gift. This is what a person needs to know who has not received the baptism. We're talking about five things, people who have not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, five things they need to know about the Holy Spirit. Number one is that that you need to know that the Holy Spirit is a gift, okay? Now, I'm talking to you, but I'm also talking to you about those you're going to be talking to, so you can have answers, right? Know that the, they need to know that the Holy Spirit is a gift. In John 14, uh, verse 16, Jesus said, And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you. Say, give you. I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter. That's John 14, verse 16. Okay, so uh, we're talking about a gift here, aren't we? Yeah. All right. The Holy Spirit is a gift, and God has already given him to us. So now, if it's a gift, that means it's up to the individual to receive that gift now. In Acts chapter 19, let's look in Acts chapter 19, and beginning in verse 1, it says, In finding certain disciples, this is Paul, after he had passed through the upper coast of Ephesus, he found certain disciples, and he said unto them, Have you received the Holy Ghost? Have you received the Holy Ghost? I want you to notice what he didn't say. He did not say, Has God given you the Holy Ghost, did he? Did he say God's giving you the Holy Ghost? No, he said, have you received the Holy Ghost? God's already given the Holy Ghost. Whether or not we have him or not depends on whether or not we receive what God has given. I mean, if somebody can give you something, but then now you got to receive it. Right? Just because I gave it to you don't mean you have it. Doesn't mean you're benefiting from it. Doesn't mean you're making use of it, does it? You got to receive a gift. Then in Acts chapter 8, verse 17, it says, uh, concerning Peter and John in Samaria, it says, Then laid they their hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. It didn't say they gave them the Holy Ghost. It said they received the Holy Ghost. Okay? Now, you could not receive something if it had not already been given to you. You would have to steal it. If somebody breaks in my house and takes my stuff, they did not receive my stuff. They took my stuff because I didn't give it to them. So to receive the Holy Ghost means God had already given it. Given him, I should say, not it. Holy Spirit's not an it, right? So, so then when we're praying for God to fill people with the Holy Spirit, we don't say, God, give them the Holy Spirit. We say, God, Help them to receive the Holy Spirit. We pray that 
they would open their hearts and receive the Holy Spirit, right? All right, number two. The second thing a person needs to know who has not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and wants to, desires to, um, is that anyone who is saved is ready to receive the Holy Spirit baptism. Anybody who is saved. And I did put a period on the end of that after saved. Anybody who is saved is a candidate and ready for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. See, people have so many kinds of ideas about this and they'll try to impose their religious thinking on you. For example, back, it was about 1995 when I worked at the hospital, and there was a young girl there that, that attended, uh, me and a friend of mine, we had a college and career group at the church we attended, and she attended this college and career group, so I, me and uh, my friend, we were kind of like mentors in her life for a while, and she loved the Lord, and she was a good Christian girl, but you know, she had a, a strong holiness background. And somehow the topic of the baptism of the Holy Spirit got brought up. And she just said, I just don't believe that anybody who smokes cigarettes can be filled with the Holy Ghost. I said, you mean God would give you Jesus for smoking, but he, but he, he would withhold the Holy Spirit from you for smoking. She just kind of, you know, I had her thinking for a little bit. And then I finally said, there are some things that you would never be able to quit without the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You see, when you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that is an additional added power to overcome sin, the flesh, right? And so, you know, um, some people may never would have quit smoking cigarettes had it not been for them receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so anyone who's saved is ready to receive the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, um, Brother Hagin told about a woman who had received the Holy Ghost and in the church service, had been speaking in tongues for about an hour up at the altar. Um, but then she went back into praising God in English and uh, was raising her hands, and she had a big wedding ring on. Well, then this other man came in, came up close, and he just heard her praying in English. He'd never heard her praying in tongues. So he assumed that she had failed to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And he ran up and he said, Sister, pull that big wedding ring off and God will fill you with the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Brother Hagin said, I just took him by the arm and led him out. Said, Brother, you're all wet. She already received it. Wedding band and all. And so where do people get these ideas? I don't know. But thank God, anybody who's saved can be filled with the Holy Ghost. Uh, another story Brother Hagin told is that a lady came to him after he had been preaching this, and she said, do you mean to infer that just anybody can be filled with the Holy Ghost, that carnal Christians can be filled with the Holy Ghost? And he said, no, ma'am, I don't mean to infer it. I flat out said it. They can't. She said, what? Carnal Christians being filled with the Holy Ghost? And he said, certainly. Don't you claim to be filled with the Holy Ghost? <laughs> she said, well, yes. He said, well, well, there you have it. That settles it. Carnal Christians can be filled with the Holy Ghost. <laughs> <laughs> you can even prove it in the Bible that anyone who is saved is ready to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Because the whole book of Corinthians was, uh, the whole church was filled with the Holy Ghost. And Paul said they came behind in no spiritual giftings. All the gifts of the Spirit were manifest in their church and they were all baptized in the Holy Spirit but then Paul flat out said you are carnal and he began to spend the rest of that letter chewing them out for living in the flesh and he, he commended them at first you know man I praise God you come behind and no utterance no revelation all the gifts of the Spirit are flowing in you but I've got this one thing we need to talk about you're carnal 
Flesh ruled. Now, there are things that once you've, uh, that once you've received light on them that can become a hindrance to your being filled or staying filled if you choose not to walk in the light that you have. If you walk in the light of what you know and appropriate that in your life, you can, you can stay filled. But if you've received light from the Word of God and you don't walk in that light, now that can certainly hinder you from being filled and uh, after you've been filled once, you understand. Um, you, you could say it this way, there's one baptism, many refillings. You only get baptized in the Holy Spirit once, but then from then on you receive fresh infillings of the Holy Spirit. Now, if you refuse or a person fails to walk in the light that they have, that can keep them from receiving a fresh anointing, a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit, okay? But the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a gift, okay? And so um, Jesus said in uh, Luke 11, He said, If your earthly fathers being evil give good gifts unto their children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Ghost to those that ask him. So the Holy Ghost is a gift. It's, and a gift is free, okay? Now, number three, the person coming to be filled with the Spirit is to expect the Spirit to move on their vocal cords and put supernatural words on their lips, which they then are to speak out in cooperation with the Spirit. In Acts chapter 2, 4, it says, and they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So the Holy Spirit, He does give you the utterance, but you've got to do your own talking. He gave them the utterance, but it, he didn't make them speak in tongues. And there's a, there's a vast difference between giving and making them do it. See, when something is given, then it's up to you to receive it, right? When you're forced to do something, then it ceases to be a gift. When you're made to do something, your will is violated, and it ceases to be a gift, right? Um, you wouldn't force somebody to have something and then... Tell them, you know, Merry Christmas or Happy Birthday, right? So um, it didn't say the Holy Ghost made them speak in tongues, you know, and then somebody might say, bless God, He made me. Well, I wouldn't agree with that because then I would be afraid of your experience. I wouldn't want that experience because then I would wonder what spirit it was that filled you and is making you do stuff. One time Brother Hagin was preaching and, you know, and he just said some people just think God can do anything he wants to whenever he wants to do it. And he said he can't. Somebody in the audience thought they were going to be smart and hollered out and said, well, by God, I believe he can. And he said, Brother Hagin, he thought it was somebody behind him said it and then he realized it came out of his mouth. He said, well, if God can do anything, why don't he make you pay your tithe? <laughs> he said, I didn't know whether he paid tithes or not, but, that, but it just came out and I heard myself say it and I thought it was somebody behind me that said it at first. But <laughs> don't you love Brother Hagin? Anyways, you know, he's not going to make you do nothing, is he? That would not be the Holy Spirit making you do something. So speaking in tongues is a cooperation between you and the Holy Spirit. And uh, okay, number four. This is the fourth thing a person who has not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, what they would need to know. If you're saved and have not received the Spirit and you're walking in fellowship with God. Let me slow down on this. Okay, two things. You're born again. You're saved. You're going to heaven when you die. Or when Jesus appears, you're rising to meet Him in the clouds, right? You're saved, born again, new creature. And number two, you're walking in fellowship with God. That means you're walking in the light that you know 
And when you fail to, you go to 1 John 1, 9, confess that sin. He's faithful and just to forgive you of sins, cleanse you of all unrighteousness. That's what the Bible calls walking in the light as he is in the light, okay? And so um, you're saved and you're walking in fellowship with God. If you've got those two things going for you, there's only two things that can stop a person or hinder a person from receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Do you want, do you want to know what they are? Two things that will hinder you from receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit, um, providing uh, you know, a person's born again and walking in fellowship with God. You know, that's not hard to do, is it? I mean, that, that's not hard to do to walk into fellowship with God. I mean, we have the Holy Ghost to help us, to comfort us, to lead us, to guide us. Amen. It's not a difficult thing. And the reason it's not difficult is because I don't have to be perfect. All I have to do is, a, is appeal to the blood of Jesus that is perfect, that has made redemption for me and cleansed me of my sins and the sense of guilt and shame that goes along with them. I confess my sin to him. He's faithful and just to forgive me of my sins and cleanse me of all unrighteousness. Thank God for the blood of Jesus. Amen. And there is nothing too big, no wrong too, too big that the blood of Jesus cannot cleanse thoroughly, entirely. Amen. But, you, but see, it's an act of your will and an act of your faith to bring that thing to God so that it can be cleansed. See, he can't clean what you hiding. Right? That's why, that's, why we gotta, that's why we gotta come to him. See, when you confess your sin to God, it's not when he finds out about it. That's when you come to get it cleansed. Amen. In the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve sinned, it says they hid, in the, they hid from God didn't they? And then God came out in the cool of the day because he was used to him and Adam being in fellowship, walking in the cool of the garden together, in the, in, the, in the cool of the day, rather, in the garden. And he didn't find his man, Adam. He said, Adam, where are you? You see, God knew where they were, but what he was saying was, Adam, do you know where you are? I know where you're at. Do you know where you're at? Why are you hiding? Because, see, that was broken fellowship. Adam's the one who left God's presence because of his own guilty conscience. Now, Adam couldn't have stayed in his presence and not have gotten things right. But that's what the flesh will want to do when you sin, is it will want to run plumb away from God. Because the flesh feels condemned and the flesh is so full of pride, it does not want to face admitting that it's wrong. And you see real quick people who are controlled by their flesh, by whether they run from God or they run to God when they're experiencing trials and when they've fallen into sin. You can see it real quick by how they respond, what they're full of, full of God or full of themselves. Say amen or oh me, it's true anyways. Praise God. But two things will hinder a person who's saved. There's only two things that can hinder a person who's saved and walking in fellowship with God, okay? Number one is a lack of faith. Lack of faith will hinder you from receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And number two, a lack of yieldedness. And here's how you can tell the difference between the two. If a person is not receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and it's not because of a lack of faith, they will feel the presence of God coming on them and working in them. That will be an immediate effect when a person responds, say for for instance, at an altar call. Some people just come up because they, well, they told me to. And you can see them coming, there's not an ounce of faith in them. Like Brother Hagin said, sometimes laying hands on people, it's like throwing a rubber ball against a brick wall and it just comes right back at you. 
You know, you just go ahead and lay hands on them anyways. Hope they get something. That's what Jesus did in, in, in Mark, Mark's gospel, chapter six. It said he there could do no mighty work save that he laid his hands on a few people. In other words, he tried, but he could only do a few things for a few people. But if you come up and you come in faith, you will immediately sense the presence of God. That's the Spirit of God responding to their faith and coming upon them. And it's good to tell those people to say, because you, you'll know it too. You can sense his presence. You'll say, now you feel that presence on you, don't you? Boy, and they might be trembling. They might have tears in their eyes. Yeah, so what does that feel like? Oh, it's just warm. It's just like a heavy blanket maybe. Or You say, now that Holy Ghost is on you for a reason. Now you've got to yield to that, that sense I don't like to say feeling because people can be so tied up in the flesh and physical feelings, but it is a spiritual sense that you will have when you respond in faith or you come in faith and the Holy Spirit comes on you. He will come on you immediately. Now, all that's left for the person who's coming to receive, all that's left for them to do is to yield to that presence of God on them and begin to speak in other tongues and release those words, syllables, phrases, uh, spiritual things that, are, that the Holy Spirit is bringing up into their mouth, into their lips, and, and release that. Amen. So um, only two things will hinder a person like that from receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit is, number one, a lack of faith, and number two, uh, would be a lack of yieldedness. In other words, they come in faith, but maybe because they haven't been taught right, they think, well, I'm just waiting for the Holy Ghost to talk through me. But the Bible didn't say the Holy Ghost talks in tongues. The Bible says he gives you the utterance and you do the talking, right? So there may be some things that people need to learn about yielding, you know, or I, I've known it too, people just get so much in their brain like, oh, what's happening, what's happening? You know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm over, they're overthinking it analyzing it and it never lets anything drop down in their heart because it's all just bundled up up here in their brain and that person is not going to be able to yield to the Holy Ghost until they learn to let go of, of their intellect and begin to respond out of their spirit yeah. okay and so um, if it's a lack of faith and a person does not feel the presence of God come on them and usually if you're ministering for someone to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you will sense it the same way they do. And so you'll be able to say, now do you feel that? What do, you, do you sense that presence on you? And sometimes it'll be stronger or less strong at other times, but they'll be able to say, yes, I feel it. Well, that means they have faith. If they are sensing that, they have faith because the Holy Spirit always instantly responds to our faith. But if they don't feel it, now what you would need to do is just say, you, you know, go back into the scriptures, of the promise of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, read those constantly, meditate in those, speak those over yourself. It's nothing wrong. You just gotta get full of the word because faith comes by hearing the word of God. Then if a person does have faith, they sense the presence of God on them. I've seen people, I've ministered to people that, that had the presence of God on them so strong, they had the faith, but they just stood there and shook or maybe started screaming or, you know, the Bible didn't say they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began screaming. Yeah. Right? It didn't say they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and started, you know, jumping or falling. What did it say? It said, and they began speaking in other tongues. That's the initial Bible evidence. Now, you might have all those other things happen at times, but the, the Bible evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is speaking in other tongues. That actually is the doorway into all the other gifts of the Spirit in your life is to yield to that gift of, of the Spirit of speaking in other tongues. And, and through that yieldedness, God can bring anything else into your life that he wants to bring into your life. Amen. And so you open up the door and God's able to bring in anything else that you need. Amen.
How many sense his presence right now? Isn't he sweet? Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Praise the Lord. Number five. Every believer seeking to be or is filled with the Holy Spirit should know that they should speak in tongues when they are filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen. And uh, we gave you plenty of those reasons why. Acts chapter 2, they spake in tongues. Acts chapter 10, they spake in tongues. And Acts chapter 19, they spoke in tongues. If all we had was Acts 2, 4, then, then there would be some room to question. But we've got two other witnesses in one book, the book of Acts, that specifically states that when hands were laid on them, and when the Holy Ghost came upon them, they spake in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Um, Howard Carter, who was a pioneer among the Pentecostals uh, when that movement was young, he founded the first Pentecostal Bible school in England, um, and it's still existing today. He said in his book called Questions and Answers on Spiritual Gifts, he said, we must not forget that the speaking in tongues is not only the initial sign of the infilling of the Holy Spirit, but it is a continual experience for the rest of our lives and to assist in the worship of God a flowing stream which should never dry up and enrich our spiritual lives to become a blessing for mankind. 